Hello and welcome to the Beautifully Nasty Podcast. I am your host, Bianca, and welcome back. Happy February. We made it a month into 2021. Yes, we got this. I hope. Um, I'm so excited because we have a new topic for the month. Every month is going to be a different topic about how to love yourself in a given circumstance of life. Last month, we chose loving yourself in quarantine. Our guests were absolutely fantastic. So if anyone is struggling during this time, please listen to those episodes. All of them were super helpful. But for this month, we decided to go with loving yourself as a creative. I chose this topic because so many people in my life are artists. I myself am an artist. My producer, Ellie, is also an artist. And a lot of the listeners are creatives as well. So I thought, you know, this is something that I've struggled with and I'm currently struggling with, especially during the pandemic where it's really hard to get jobs in the field that I'm in. And I've talked to a lot of my actor friends about it and I've spoke to now all different types of artists and it's a difficult time. And when you can't get any work, your self-esteem and your self-image of yourself in your career starts to lower. And yeah, it's definitely something that I have been feeling. So I thought it was a great topic to do for the month of February, the month of love if you're into all that valentine's day stuff we're always supposed to be loving ourselves, but i thought that all of my fellow artists needed this right now so i'm very excited for the guests that we have lined up this month it is going to be fantastic so with that being said let me introduce you to our first guest of the month of february i i felt like i was in a master class with this woman she is so intelligent and down to earth and kind and easy to talk to, and you can feel how driven she is just from this conversation. I found her on TikTok. Welcome to 2020, 2021, where TikTok is a thing in all of our lives, unfortunately. Just kidding. <laughs> and um, so I found her on TikTok, and she made a video about self-love as a graphic artist and illustrator. And I was so drawn to her presence and her art. She is so incredibly talented. But I think what I respected about her even more after we spoke was how intelligent she is on knowing how to love yourself in such a realistic way as an artist. She really, really breaks it down. And and I was even listening back to the interview and I was like, you know, everything she's saying, it's not even just relatable to artists. Like, yes, we do go into specifics about how to love yourself being a creative person, but she gives so many great life lessons. I am so excited for this interview. So without further ado, here is the incredibly talented and wonderful Ash Myers. 
I am so great. How are you? Good. I'm so happy we connected. I know. So the crazy thing about you is that my producer found you on TikTok. Not that's crazy, yes. but that's, that's life now, I feel like. I feel as an almost 30-year-old, I never thought like that sentence would ever apply to me. Like, we found you on TikTok. I don't, I'm discovering so many people on it. Yeah. And we came across your video about self-love which the podcast is all about. And we were like, oh my God, we're obsessed with her. Like everything that you exude off of your social media, it radiates. Anyone that I've shown your page to them, they're like, she seems freaking amazing. (laughs) That's great that you have been able to show that in your social media. Sometimes I think it's hard because there's a fine line between being genuine and ingenuine. But I think that everything that you put out feels like it's like this bright light that I feel coming (laughs) from your profiles. So I'm so happy to have you on the show. So thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a mixed media illustrator and graphic designer based in the greater New York City area. So I actually did just relocate to South Jersey after all the COVID craziness. But prior to that, I was in the New York area. So I've had a very strange journey with art. I actually have a background in sales management and I even did real estate for a little bit, but I always ran my art business in unison with whatever I was doing. And okay, thing for me was like when I decided on this journey, because right out of high school, I went to Temple uh, to go to Tyler for art and that was what I was committed to. But I quickly learned that without a real business sense and without working experience, Going to school for art just didn't necessarily make sense for me. It makes sense for a lot of people, but for me, Mm -hmm. I couldn't justify the cost. So I felt like there was more I had to learn as a professional, not just an artist. So I remember telling my dad, actually, when he was asking me, like, what do you think you want to do like with your life? I always wanted to do art in a dual capacity. So I didn't want to just be an artist. I wanted to have a main career focus and then have art as this secondary I don't want to say secondary focus, but like a secondary aspect of my career. So I didn't want to just be an artist. I wanted to be an artist that did X, Y, Z. Totally. (laughs) Which I feel like so many artists run into. Do I pursue what my dream is or do I be practical and do it on the side or do I just not do it and put it off for a few years? So I think that is awesome that you decided to, you were pretty practical about it. Yeah, I, I think it's so strange because I, I feel like, especially when people view my content, they might immediately assume I'm a person that's, oh, pursue your passion. But actually, one of my biggest beliefs is that when you're creative, you actually have a responsibility to make sure that whatever you're creating, you're doing it in a way that's actually providing service to the world in some way. And that mm-hmm. can look different for everyone. Yeah. But I feel like it's not just about, oh, I I like painting, so I'm just going to do that and that's it. I do feel like there has to be some practical component because if each of us just did whatever we wanted and didn't think about others, you can imagine how that would be like. Oh, yeah. No, I love that. I think that's one of the things that I resonate with because I've been performing my entire life. I I never wanted like the big career type fame thing. It was always just, oh, I really love telling stories that help people not feel alone like the purpose behind it. Yeah. And I feel, I love that what you were saying about your art is that you're practical about it. There's a reason why you have been called to do this. Do you feel like you've been called to be? I do. Do you feel like you've been called to do what you're doing now? Oh yeah, totally. I, I feel yeah. like I'm so in alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. I've always loved 
meeting people and making connections. And I'm always that person who's just a social butterfly who can't leave the bar because I'm just talking to everyone and everyone's always waiting for me. But it's genuinely just because I love hearing people's stories. And this podcast came out of the creation of like, how can I help people? How can I be a resource for people who are struggling? And that's why I got into acting and performing too, is like, how can I help someone feel like they're not alone? Here's this character who you can probably relate to. And they may be crazy, but hello, the world is crazy. Like we're all different. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that I've created this platform to bring on people like you, mm-hmm. especially artists. And so right now, are you full-time with your art or are you still doing the the real estate and everything else that you were talking about? So I am full-time. So it was really interesting, the transition. Basically what happened is when I was pursuing real estate, I had a completely different idea in mind. I thought that I was going to sell homes and design the art for homes because uh-huh. I was always trying to figure out like some way that I could combine art with some other practical field to be like have this creative source of income totally. and have something I could actually monetize to a higher level than just selling like paintings as with nothing really behind it. So what happened instead is I ended up doing graphic design for a lot of realtors in the area to make extra money. And that kind of led me down this different path where um, eventually I started focusing more on the design. And then I had gotten hired to do a freelance project for a social media company in Brooklyn. And then I started working for them, actually. That is what really opened the door for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. To view my career as, hey, Maybe there is like a different path. Maybe it's not exactly what I thought. So that led me to what I do now, which is basically I illustrate for brands. I do freelance design still. Uh And I'm actually combining it with mental health. So that's why you were literally called to be on this podcast. Yeah, I'm telling you, right when we saw your video and we looked at your page, I was like, she's perfect. She's everything that we're (laughs) looking for this episode. Would you say that when you were younger, you knew you wanted to do this? No. Or what did you want to be when you were younger? I wanted to be everything. Yeah. I, I always make fun of myself because it's. I feel like every other year, like throughout my 20s, it was like, okay, Ashley, what are you doing now? I, but I just, I had this vision and I was, when I was young and had this experience, I just, I knew what I wanted, but I just couldn't figure out how to make it exist in the real world. Sure. And that's actually why I make a lot of the videos I do now is because I know as being a young person, it can be so hard to understand how to have an authentic voice and be yourself but also make a real living. Mm -hmm. And it's painful, especially when I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like a lot of creatives are called. I feel like almost all of us are called to do what we do. Mm -hmm. But then to find out, oh, like I know my purpose, but I can't really translate it into income. I feel like that's a really tough struggle. I don't know if you found that with your like... Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, for uh, that's been my struggle. (laughs) So I don't even know a few months ago. And I, I always as a source of income, like on the side or as a survival job, as a lot of artists will say, I always worked in a restaurant. I always did. Yeah. And it just, I've met some of the best people in that industry, but oh my gosh, it takes a toll on you. It wears on you. And it's, you, you have to be, you have to be on all the time and be doing everything correctly. But then you're supposed to be able to leave your shift and make healthy choices and then be creative during your off time when you're like so exhausted and you've just exuded all of yourself to make tips. 
it's just, it's hard. I'm so happy you're talking about that because that's one of the things I wanted to touch upon was that how do you decide what to do? Like when you have this burning passion in you to be creative and to help people through art, but then it's, oh, I have to live. (laughs) How did you juggle that? Yeah, absolutely. So you actually bring up a good point about restaurants because I actually think many creatives relate to the fact that it's one of the few jobs where you can make a high amount of money and a small number of hours and days. So I think a lot of us are drawn to jobs like that, Mm -hmm. which is fine. And I I do recommend it. I think that it does allow you the space and free time to be able to explore your craft. But at the same time, it's a balance because industries like that, especially restaurants, they're great, they're fun, but they can be toxic if you're not careful. Totally. Um, Just because you're around a lot of like alcohol or food, depending on where you work, like you're working weird hours sometimes. And it's easy to get so caught up in quick money that you're not remembering what it's there for. Exactly. Support your creative vision. Yeah. I just so relate to that. The only reason why I feel like I even got out of it was because of COVID, which is crazy because it's obviously such a horrible thing to happen to our entire world, but it's insane. The amount of realization that has happened for me personally, because I totally was this social person and I had to step back. I was forced yeah. to step back. You and feel realigned. Because of Oh COVID. my gosh. Yeah. In a weird way. I and I hate to say that. And I hate to say that, but yeah, it's crazy. The amount of like inner work I've been doing the past few months. And I just, and I just feel like I feel more alive. Like I was like, what was I? I, I was making money. That's what I was doing. I was yeah. living in New York city, making money. So have you, since you've been out of the restaurant industry, have you felt lighter? I do. And it's funny because I I almost went back recently. I was like, I miss it. I miss people. Maybe I'll do Mm -hmm. part time. And then I realized, wait a minute, I have this beautiful thing I've created and it's finally something that's full time and like that can finally sustain me, which before I was getting close to that point, but I felt like the cost of living in the New York area was really preventing me from being able to go full-time because my overhead was just so high. Same. I, that, I left yeah, New York City as well. Yeah. Right. For the same yeah. reason. And I don't know if you felt this way, but like leaving the New York environment was just such an incredible thing for me because I'd never be able to do what I do now without making the changes to just decide what. I don't want to have a second thing that like supports art. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be art. I just want to do this. And the only way financially I could do that was to like give up some of the luxuries of living in this exciting place. Yes, I'm the same way. Yeah, <laughs> right? Same like, thing you, happened to me. We're living parallel lives. Uh, yeah, I'm like, this is <laughs> crazy because me and Ash, I haven't ever met. We just connected over social media and it just shows you two people who yeah. like know nothing of each other and just the similarities that happen with people who are artists. It, it's hard to do what your soul wants you to do when the income can be a difficult process to establish. That's very true. I actually wanted to touch on that. So with yeah. the income, because I think this is helpful for a lot of people. There's a couple of different ways you can do this. I think what makes art really hard and really easy is that it make, what's hard about being a creative is there's no direct path. And yep. what's somewhat easy about being a creative is there's no direct path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so nobody's there to give you a blueprint so you can come up with a creative way to make everything work but nobody's giving you a blueprint. So it's hard to understand what you're supposed to do. So I've thought about it a lot and I have a lot of friends that are creatives too. And we talk about it often. And this is what I came up with and take it with a grain of salt. This is just my perspective. Like, No, this is 
why we have you here today. So please. Um, yeah. So I view it in two ways. There are established career paths for artists. So you can choose to go to school and you can be a very specific title. You can be a graphic designer. You can be a motion graphics designer, whatever it is you want to mm-hmm. do. You don't even necessarily need school for a lot of the paths, but there's clear career paths. However, there's also ways where you can pursue established forms of income and have your art as an extension of it. So that's what I had been trying to do through my 20s. I'd mentioned like I tried to do it with real estate. It didn't really feel aligned. Mm-hmm. Whereas now what I do, combining art with mental health, and like I'm in school to be able to go into nursing and counseling and things like that. I have like a whole plan with that that I won't go into because I don't want to explain like so much. I feel like I sound like the craziest person. Ever. No, it would be useful because to see yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, basically, I'm going to school for nursing right now so that once I'm able to actually work as a nurse, I can use that income to pay for grad school to pursue like the therapy route is basically what I want to do. Wow. I always want my art to exist alongside that. So there's nothing about me that's, oh, I'm doing this as like arts, like my plan B or my fallback. Like they both are equally important. But the way that I've come to the conclusion of how I want to use my art is if I pursue my art and build this brand and continue offering my services and gear it towards mental health. And then I also have a main career like educated in mental health. The two brands can exist together and there's so many ways that they can work together. There's a lot of different ways in the future that they can connect. So I think what can be helpful for artists is sometimes you can pursue something that's going to absolutely give you a salary. It's going to give you income. The world needs it. And that doesn't mean you aren't an artist. You just apply your art to whatever you're doing. I think that when you're an artist, you're an artist in whatever you do. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what your job title is. You can still fulfill your purpose if you're honoring that creative. I'm honestly, I was just like speechless. That's awesome. That's everything that I've been the past few months learning. Like you can figure out your purpose and what you're supposed to be doing but align it in a way that makes it practical for you. So you can live and you can buy groceries, afford rent, things like that. Like it is possible. And the way in which you're doing it, I think is so admirable that you're combining the two and you're going to probably, I can already see, create this amazing platform for people who need help. And art is a beautiful way to help an individual get through really tough times. Because I know I'm not an artist. Like I was looking at your page. I was like, oh my God, she is beyond amazing. <laughs> How do you find time for really like to question. study and do art? So I actually do have a system. Obviously it's not just, I could be like, oh, I just, I don't know. I make it happen. No, there's a very clear system that I have to stick to in order for it all to work or it does like really easily come apart. I think that it's so important to realize that there's really no such thing as balance. I feel like the word balance gets thrown around so often and it just doesn't exist. I think it's more of a counterbalance. So for example, the, the one video I had recently that went viral that happened during midterm week. So I was so happy and excited but it was also midterm week. So it was like, right. oh my gosh, like, uh, I, I want to pay attention to this, but I really have to do midterms or like my future. Is sure. Yeah. Basically what I do is there's two things I do. One is that I designate core days for each thing. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm doing the bulk of my schoolwork. I, it's going to be different for everyone depending on what they do. But for me, like I get all of my assignments ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So I already know what I have to do for the week. And I just designate those two days to get everything done in bulk. 
And then like Monday, Wednesday, Friday are my filming days. And then usually Saturday I'll edit and then Sunday I'll cue everything to post. So it's not perfect. The thing with content is I'm sure you're familiar with this. Content is really hard. And I don't think anyone should feel like they're failing at it. It takes time to make content and it takes time to get consistent with it and more so like consistently make good content. That's a whole other thing that I'm still learning too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm like, I, I get so overwhelmed even thinking about social media. So I think that's just great <laughs> what you're doing because I, I think in order to be a creative, I know so many people are like, you're such a plan B person. Like you go with the flow. You don't really have a set schedule. You can do things whenever you want, but it, it's actually, I find the opposite with yeah. creatives so and right. artists. You have to be so on your shit. You just have to, because if you aren't and you don't create a schedule, like you're saying, you just, it just doesn't happen or it doesn't happen consistently. And that's something that I've struggled with now that I have so much time in quarantine to focus on the, the podcast and creating this for people and also my art. And then figuring out money and coaching and all that stuff, but I have to be super organized and it's it's hard. So I really relate to that. And I think what you said is great advice for people who are trying to figure out how to balance or counterbalance, like you said, the two. Does it not happen sometimes? Oh yeah. First of all, I'm very proud of you for all you do because I get it. It's so hard to keep all that up and I think you're doing an awesome job too. So Thank okay. you. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't happen. And I, I think it's to not get too down on yourself because we are human inevitably. And another big thing too is I think it's so easy when you're uh, doing anything where content creation is involved to get sucked into your phone. And you had mentioned that you do this for an hour when you give yourself time to draw. But yes. for me, especially, I have really strict rules with myself with my phone now where it's just, I do not scroll. And that took a long time to get to that point, but I don't. And I try, obviously I want to support the people that support me. I want to respond to comments. I want to respond to DMs. Sure. So I do designate time to do that, but like creating boundaries with social media I think is so important because they've proven it. It's just not the best thing for mental health. That's such great advice to create boundaries for it. I think what makes it so hard is nobody does it. We've just accepted that social media is this massive part of our lives. And even though people have talked about how we should set boundaries, Mm -hmm. like name somebody in your life that's actually actively employing it. I don't know anyone in like my life or anyone around me that isn't constantly on their phone, which makes it hard because it's like, I have that urge but I think the biggest thing is just, it's really like breaking an addiction. You just have to say like, all right, I give myself time to use this, but during these hours or during this space, like I have to turn off the notifications. I have to just put it down. And do you ever feel like sometimes you're scrolling and you other creators and you, you can get into this unhealthy cycle. Oh, like they're producing more than me. Like I got to make more. I got to make more. Oh, it's unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I just stopped on social media at one point. Cause I was like, I yeah. feel like I can't keep up. I don't feel good about myself. So that is super real. If you're constantly scrolling and comparing yourself to all these people who are putting out the best version of themselves, an edited version of themselves. Look, like, any creative that's starting out, your craft takes time. And I Mm -hmm. think social media can put this sort of, I don't want to say false expectation, but it puts an expectation on you that you have to constantly be putting content out, like, or you're not relevant anymore. Yeah, And that is unfortunately somewhat true. That's why like with my work, 
I have larger work that takes more time, but I had to adapt and make much smaller pieces that I could churn out quickly. Or like my TikToks, like a lot of those are like very small sketches so that I'm able to do them in an hour and just have everything done. So I have had to adapt in that sense, but I think it's important to remember that you should still take time to do things. Like social media shouldn't consume so much of your creative process that it's you're making art for social media and not art for your career and yourself and your portfolio, which like attracting clients and social media, but you also need quality work. So it's about having that kind of balance. Yes. What do you do on days when you're like, I don't have it in me? I, I don't have it in me to put out content or I'm having a block creatively. What do you do in those situations? Yeah. So what I try to do is I try to make as much as I can when I am feeling it. So that way I have a backlog of content. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that doesn't happen. And when that happens, I really try to just like, if I'm not feeling it, I'll just give myself the day to focus on other things so that I can come back to it aligned. Because I know that if I'm trying to create content when it's just not there, like it's going to come out horrible. Yeah. But I I give myself that day, but then I like make myself do it the next day if that kind of makes sense. So I'll give myself that space, but it just can't become like a state of being. I think it's okay to honor that you just don't feel aligned and you just don't feel creative and you just don't. But I don't think it's okay to live there. And I think once you express it for a couple hours or just like a day where you choose, okay, I'm going to focus on like working out or some other aspect of my life. Yeah. Then you can come back and be like, all right, you had that like little break. Let's get back to it. Come on. And you just got to make yourself do it, I think, sometimes. Totally. Yeah. That's the hardest part about it. It's not even actually doing it because it ends up being fun and, and fulfilling. It's like before you go to the gym, it's always, it's fine when you're actually at the gym, you feel good. Right. It's just before you're actually have to get there. You're like, oh, here we go. But yeah it's good to have that motivation. Like your motivation is pretty inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. It's, I think it's a lot of it's like self-parenting too. Have you ever, did you play sports when you were younger? Yes. Okay. And did you ever have a time and you just didn't want to go to practice and your mom or dad was like, no, we're going to practice. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's like that where it's sometimes you have to just treat yourself like a little kid that just doesn't know what's best for him or her. And you're just yeah. like, listen, I know you don't feel like doing this, but like, it'll make our life better. Yeah. And that's just what I try to do. Cause I actually don't feel motivated. I would say like most of the time, it's mm-hmm. just a matter of having that discipline and I'm not perfect. Like I definitely have slumps that I go through where I just really feel like nothing I make's good. I just, I don't feel like I'm making a lot. Mm-hmm. But the other part of that too, is if you're constantly coming from that position of being your own parent and trying to like gently nudge yourself along or give yourself a kick in the ass if you need it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I do my lows. So basically I think it's a combination of having to parent yourself and push through those lows, but also honoring the lows too. I do think it's okay. And another thing too, is that most people aren't looking at your content as much as you think that they are. Like, Mm. I do feel that social media makes us feel like we have this spotlight on us. But the fact is people have their own lives. They either have their own lives and they're consuming other people's content. So they really don't care what you're Uh doing unless it's in front of them. And they're like, oh, I love this. Or, oh, I hate this. Right. Or they're just like people that are also working on something themselves. So they're not like, Nobody is sitting there with a calendar unless this is like a truly insane person and is up. She didn't post this day. She didn't post that day. No one's doing that. So whatever you can do, like work towards it. And like, I've made content for years, like years. And it really has been a gradual process of making content and making art of getting to a semi-regular output. How long did that take? How many years would you say it, this balance of sorts? I guess, honestly, when Instagram came out, I think I was graduating high school. So it was like 2011. Is that 
Uh-huh. But I would say, yeah, from the time Instagram came out to now, I feel like it has just been this long process of learning to do art consistently, no matter what's going on, and also learning to make content. And I think too, like you have to remember as a creative, a lot of times we're a one person team until a certain point. Eventually yes. people build teams around what they do, but that does not come right away. No. And it's really just us. We do the audio, you do the audio, you do the video, you do everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that help takes a while before it ever kicks in. So you just kind of have to be gentle with yourself, I think, and understand that even if you see somebody and it seems all like they blew up and they are doing all this stuff, it, you don't know what's how long that took them. And you don't know what they had to go through to become that person. So we're all on our own path. We are all on our own path. Yeah. And so moving towards more of the self-love area of the podcast, how has your self-love journey been as just Ash and then also with the combination of being a creative, what has that been like for you? I know that's a broad question, but... No, that's okay. It's a great question. Yeah. So my self-love journey at this point, I feel fully comfortable with myself and I do love myself for who I am, Mm -hmm. but it did not start out that way. And... I'm sure you can relate. I hope you don't relate, but I know that you probably do because as women in the 21st century, mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much out there that makes it hard to feel like you are allowed to love yourself. Yeah. I, I do feel like there's just this constant comparison that is always around us, like whether it's in the media or whether it's just even in like daily conversation with people, there just always seems to be this emphasis on like women's appearance and like this emphasis on... I'm so happy that women are empowered in creating things, but then sometimes I notice that it turns into this, you have to be like a boss bitch or you are not. And it's, that's great, but you also have to do things collaboratively. Totally. I feel like when I was in my early twenties, so much of my like worth came from other sources Mm -hmm. and I just really needed validation constantly. And there was a lot of this mindset of why am I not good enough and Mm -hmm. needing to prove that I was good enough to other people. And some of its age, I think that we all have to mature like mentally and that goes away with time. But then I do think it's also a conscious effort. So with me, fitness has actually helped a lot. So I found that when I get happy about what my body can do for me, uh-huh. it makes me appreciate it a lot more in regards to what it looks like. Cause I feel like the focus isn't on like the outer appearance as much. Sure. It's more weight. Like, my body can run like six miles. Or yeah, like, like I weight, feel like, strong. Yeah, it's, yeah, especially like I lift and things like that. That gave me a lot of confidence because I just felt like I can pick stuff up and put them down. That's <laughs> heavy and that's great. Yeah, yeah, I, I do feel that fitness helped absolutely. And then mm-hmm. um, it's so funny because like none of this is none of these things are like new concepts, but they honestly help so much. Like meditation, yeah. affirmations, working out. Like I'm sure you do all those things, yeah. right? And I. F- feel the difference when I make it consistent versus when I, when it's not consistent in my life. I have found that it is hard for me without a set schedule to sometimes keep it consistent when I'm having those weeks of, I just don't, I'm not feeling it. I just don't feel it. But it's like what you were saying, like, if you don't feel it, let yourself be for that one day, but tomorrow get back into it. And yeah, be your own cheerleader. You have to be your own cheerleader. Yeah, like hell yeah, you have to be your own cheerleader. That's like a great point. And the thing too, with the consistency with the self-care, because as you were mentioning, like you notice a huge difference and you notice when you don't do it. I think that it's such a subtle, slow shift over time. Doing these things like meditating regularly, working out, drinking water, 
you have to do them for long stretches of time and then you start to see that. Yes. Yeah. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Though if you like stop, it's kind of not fair because it takes a while to kick in, but then if uh-huh. you like stop almost immediately, you're like, I don't like this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when was the switch for you from feeling like you needed to feel validated by external sources and then it turning into, no, I'm like, I got myself. I'm good. I would say probably around 25, 26 is when I started to come into my mm-hmm. own. I'm 27 now. I'm about to be 28. But okay. I think it did take that long. And I think the switch was a couple things. One, I'd gained so much work experience at that point that I knew myself in a number of situations. I met so many different people, men and women, mm-hmm. and just started to realize how I responded to people, how they responded to me, how people respond with each other, just paying attention to other people. It started to click for me Yeah, that a, a lot of what happens has nothing to do with you. There's just certain dynamics at play with people's personalities mm-hmm. that happen because we're so different. And what I started to notice was when I was focused on what made me different, like my life, what are the things that I care about? What is my purpose? What are, who are my friends? Who is my family? There's like a whole universe around you, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have it, I have it. We have our little world. And when we focus on other people's world, we're always going to feel lack because we don't have what they have. They're a totally different person. They have different memories. They have different, like their brain is different. So I started to realize that if I just focused on me, if I just focused on maintaining my inner world and like the little things that I cared about, mm-hmm. I then was just able to gain more confidence in my identity because I had an identity. If you're yes. looking at other people, you're like not building anything yourself. But if you're building something for yourself, it's and to make it less vague and give an example, it's I think when you're young, you experience all these people and that's good because you want to look to people to see what you might like. And sure. through experience, you realize, oh, like these types of people or situations or jobs feel good and feel aligned with me. These don't. Because the only way to know this, you can't think to it. experience it. Right. You've got to yeah. take action. Mm-hmm. I think like a good example of that is just like when you focus on like your specific industry and like your specific routine, it's much easier to not be harmed as much by external factors over time mm-hmm. because you're coming from this place that's very specified and you can just say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I value. It doesn't really matter what's going on over there. If that makes sense, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it definitely does. That's something that took me a while, actually, up until yeah. recently to figure out what feels good for Bianco. And yeah. I never listened to myself. Like I would always just people please almost. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If it does feel right, do it. And for other people, it's going to be different for everyone. But that's when you start coming into your own, when you really start listening to your inner self. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. And I think too, like you were mentioning, I think it definitely does take time to figure out what makes you feel good. And there's actual value in comparison. So comparing yourself to others isn't all bad. The problem is when it's all consuming and that's what our world has become. Social media is a great tool. You can learn a lot of information, but it's also a dangerous tool because what you're supposed to do normally is you take information in and you decide, okay, like for me to establish my identity or like my viewpoint, I need to see what's out there. I need to pay attention to how it feels. Like you were saying, like how it feels for me inside, which is great. But then you have to step back and focus back on yourself, your world and take action. Instead, Mm -hmm. what kind of happens is we get lost in this like hours and hours of comparison. Right. It's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely not. The time in which I've put into scrolling and comparing, I could have been 
actively doing stuff in my life for me. Yeah. And I think it definitely feels good when you eventually embrace everything that is you and what resonates with you and start turning away what doesn't. And when you can scroll and be looking at all my friends, I'm like, oh my God, I just met you. And you're you're benefiting from that energy from other people because you're so happy to see these people flourishing because I'm flourishing. So I'm not feeling like I'm lacking in my life because I just feel so full. I love that. And I get that from you. I get it even from your social media, which just shows you how amazing you are doing that you can inspire people in such a clear and genuine way, which is great. And I love the podcast because that's great. That's like what you're doing. You're putting content out there that won't make people feel bad. It'll help guide them. When someone scrolls and sees your content, they're not going to have that like visceral negative reaction. It's like a positive reaction and it like benefits them. And that's awesome because you're putting something positive on what can be a toxic platform if it's not Thank you. I'm like, (laughs) that's exactly what I wanted to come across. So I'm like, yes, I'm glad. Because I I said to a couple people when I was first thinking of the idea, I'm like, my self-love journey has just been so complicated. And I feel like for so many, it's the same. It's just, it's a process, but it's a hard process. It's hard. The, what's even harder is the actual journey that you take versus just ignoring it. Once you actually deal with your issues and what's bothering you, it's hard. And it's why I chose the name Beautifully Nasty. It's nasty. It's not <laughs> pretty. It. It's yeah. not, yeah, but it's the end result is beautiful when you finally yeah. do come to your own. And I look at someone like you and I'm like, I love that. You look and feel and exude this beautiful confidence. I can't help but be like, oh my God, I want to know everything about you. (laughs) You say what about you? That's so cool. Oh, thank you. Uh So we talked a lot about your self-love process. So specifically as a creative and loving yourself in that world. So basically the biggest thing to remember is actually what we just finished talking about, which is like, as you were saying, like the journey for self-love, the journey for like where you end up in your career, like It's a very messy process and nobody can do it for you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to look different for everybody. And that's what makes things hard is I think when people look for advice, like with career advice, they they want to find this like holy grail of like steps that they can follow and they'll absolutely be successful and it will all work out. But that's flawed thinking because that's not how things work. We want things to go in this like linear way and it's just not, nothing is a linear process. Like, yes, we are like, born, we live, we die. So we think everything is that simple. It has just this linear path, but it doesn't. It's more like up and down and up and down. And it's so opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's this really good book by Seth Godin called The Dip. And it's actually about how, I don't know if you've read it. It's it, you should totally I haven't. Read it. it's a short little thing. It's really cute. It's illustrated, all cute, but it's basically about how everyone hits this dip where it's like, at first you're so motivated and you're so passionate and you love it and everything's going great. And then there's this dip and the dip can last for years and nothing's really happening, and nothing is really working. And if you're not going to truly commit to that horrible phase, you have to just accept that you should probably quit and find something else. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't go through that stage, you can't get to that end result. It's part of the process. Failing, people don't start because they're afraid to fail, or they're afraid of like people laughing at them. And both of those things are probably going to happen in one way or another. Mm -hmm. But it happens to everybody that goes after something. Right. And it doesn't even have to be this like dramatic goal of, I want to be like a world famous photographer, like whatever someone's wanting to do with their passion, 
I think it's important to understand that there is a journey and a learning curve and you can't skip that step. There's just, you just can't like, it's mm-hmm. something you have to go through. Has your self-love come from being an artist? Yeah. So to answer like how art has played into my self-love journey, first of all, like you had actually mentioned this previously as well. I agree with like art allows you to express emotions. It's not even a matter of if the art is good or not. Sometimes mm-hmm. just the act of making art allows you to express that. How I actually found art, I really got into it when I was 15 years old. I'd mm-hmm. always done it, but that's when I started really seriously pursuing it. And it actually came from a pretty negative thing. So for me, like in my teenage years, my younger brother uh, was diagnosed with a really rare progressive disease that eventually took his life when I was 19. And he I'm was sorry. 14. It's okay. But basically what happened from that process is there was so much going on that was beyond my level of understanding as a teenager. Mm-hmm. He had round-the-clock nursing care that lived in our home, basically. So even my home, I, I felt like there was always strangers in and out of my home, and I didn't understand what was going on. And there was just so many emotions brought up from that experience. And instead of channeling it into a negative outlet, I channeled it into art. And anything that I felt, I just exploded onto a canvas. And at that time, like I didn't always talk a ton and I didn't always understand how to really express a lot of the, the angst and anger that I felt as a teenager, but also as a person going through watching their loved one die, basically. And I actually, I think I might have a video up somewhere. My, my art wasn't amazing when I started at all. I actually distinctly remember... I loved portraits and I asked my teacher pointers and she was not even being mean. Like she was just trying to be nice. And she was like, some people have it and some people don't. And maybe if you don't have it, like just like embrace your cartoons are good. And like your abstract stuff's good. Maybe like embrace that. And she wasn't even being like mean, but I was like devastated. Cause I was like, no, this is what I want to do. Really? And I, yeah. And I wish I could just tell that girl. Cause at that time, I, I don't even know why I thought this because I probably should have listened to her because my art was not <laughs> that great. But something in me was just like, no, like we're going to prove it wrong. And that's not the place you should come from. But I mean, <laughs> teenagers. But wait, everyone me. loves to be rebellious. Right. Yeah. Sometimes little... you need those events to push oh, you. Oh, yeah. And then eventually it's like release that and like come from a happier place. But right. that was truthfully like what motivated me at that time. So that's a good lesson of just how. I don't think I started really feeling like I was making portraits that looked like people until 19 or 20, which is somewhat late, I think. So that five-year, six-year period, or five-year period, four or five-year period of me working to develop those portrait skills that I just, for some reason, wanted so bad, I never would have looked at my art then as who I am now. I've been like, oh yeah, that person's going to be able to do photorealistic portraits. So I think it's important to keep in mind that you can change so much and you can become things you don't even see right now you need to put the work in it's not going to magically appear but you'd be surprised at how far you can get when you consciously direct yourself towards something so for me rather than processing all the pain and loss that was around me related to my brother and just related to my family breaking apart at that time Mm -hmm. I was able to focus everything onto this other purpose of okay if I'm frustrated about art and focusing everything on art and like everything I'm pursuing is coming from art, it at the same time helped me process those emotions of the chaos around me without even realizing it. And at the end of it was like something I created. It was something positive. It wasn't like a self-destructive choice. And when you were doing the portraits and you were not at the best level, were you hard on yourself during that time? Yeah, I was really hard on myself. And I remember 
I felt so motivated to get better, but there was sometimes like this fear, what am I doing? Can I even do this? What's going on? So when other people feel that way about anything, like from the bottom of my heart, I, I, it really breaks my heart when people feel that way because I get it. Like it does feel awful. But again, like it's just something you have to move through because on the other side of it is the result you want. If you could sit here now and hear all the horrible things you'll have to go through, you'd be like, I'm never doing this. But if you just focus on it moment by moment, there's also so much good that comes and the end result is so worth it that you really just have to accept, okay, whatever happens, this is my outcome. I'm moving towards this outcome. I do not care what happens in the way. Which all goes together, what we had talked about, which is the comparing of yourself, wanting a particular end result when it's probably not going to happen that way. And that's okay. Once you get past that and you put in the work and you realize, oh, this is where my journey is going. That's when you start loving what you're doing. You're wanting your skills to strengthen and you know what you want, but you have to get that idea of perfection out of your head. It's just that fine line of not letting it take over so much that you are beating yourself up over not being something that you aren't. And it's interesting, you had brought up like comparison. And what I think is important is actually in that time. So we've talked a little bit about how like comparison can be used in a valuable way, but too much of it obviously is negative. Yes. During that time, comparison did help me, but it's because so when I was in high school, social media, it was like MySpace, like social media yeah, yeah, yeah. was not the way it is now. So I didn't have an iPhone. I was scrolling all the time, which I feel bad for teenagers now because I'm sure it's so much worse. But right. there was so many people in my classes that were like ridiculously better artists than I was. And being able to look at them motivated me to get better. And it also made me think, hold on, this is like another person. This isn't like a wizard, but this is like a, a person. <laughs> We're both human. If they yeah. can somehow do this, I'm a human too, so I can make this happen. So I felt that by using comparison in that way, it was helpful. If I had just sat around, oh, they're so good. If I had sat there and been like, oh, like they're great and I suck, it wouldn't have been helpful. But I used it in a way where it was like, okay, let's look at this. Let's see what they're doing if I can decode what they're doing and apply this to what I'm doing to try to Mm -hmm. become better. And don't get me wrong, I definitely felt discouraged at a lot of points, but I just kept pushing myself anytime I saw someone better than me to try to either learn from them or watch them so I could try to understand what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And I just kept pushing. And and that's really all I can say is that it was just like, I had all of those negative emotions, I had all those doubts, I had all of that pain. And I just kept taking the actions that would allow me to get better. And eventually I got better. (laughs) I'm also blown away by how you articulate this topic in general, because I think what you're saying is perspective, the dialogue that you use to speak to yourself, because it, it really could go either way. Like you could beat yourself up and say, oh, I'm just not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm not as good as this person. Or you could be like, no, actually, I want to be that good. I want to be able to be better. I know I can be better. The way in which you change the way you spoke to yourself in all the situations that we've talked about, I've noticed, Mm -hmm. is so wonderful. And I think probably is the reason why you are the way you are right now. And you're able to be on this podcast and talk about self-love and be like, yeah, it was really difficult, but now I'm here and I do feel good and I'm excited for what I'm going to create. And there's no clear path but the way in which you talked yourself through your journey 
is what's really impressive to me. Knowing what you know now at this stage in your life, what would you tell a younger artist or creative? I would definitely tell them two things. I would tell them to be disciplined, which artists get away with not being disciplined. Right. But what people don't talk about is like, there's all these jokes like, oh, artists are like scattered and they're this and they're that. But the truth is, if somebody's creating to a high level, especially professionally, even if they appear scattered, there is a system to what they're doing and they've like somehow scheduled or committed to something. So I think it's important as a young artist to not get caught up in that scattered, anxious, chaotic energy. Because mm-hmm. I think it's easy to build an identity like, I'm an artist, like I'm crazy. And it's, yeah. no, like you can be stable and committed and focused and be an artist. Yes. So I think it's important to be careful and like, from an early age, as much as you can, try to really commit to that like stable, professional, committed identity instead mm-hmm. of the, whatever. I think the second most important thing would be to, as hard as it is, be open to the process. And if you focus on making art and learning from each piece, and when you feel like, hey, I don't like what I'm making, like mm-hmm. actually ask yourself why. And when you see something that somebody else is making and it makes you jealous, Don't be like, oh, I shouldn't be jealous. If you're feeling envy, it's actually a tool. Understand why you're jealous of somebody's art or somebody's method of whatever it is that you're like jealous of in another creative. Pay attention to that because it's probably trying to give you a clue to what you either feel is lacking in your work that you need to develop or what you would like to develop that you just haven't even explored yet. So your emotions, you're never going to be able to turn your emotions off. Like you're just not, not in a healthy way anyway. You're never going to get to a point where you can not feel envy and not feel sad or not feel happy or not feel whatever, but you can use those emotions as guidance, a guidance system. So when you're sad, ask yourself why, ask yourself what you're feeling about your art and if you can improve it. When you're jealous, same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's my big advice is to not be afraid of negative experiences and emotions, but to really allow yourself to feel them yet also step back and be like, hey, like what's this is trying to tell me because it's usually trying to tell you something. Yes. I hope everyone listens to that advice because I think it that is going to help so many people deal yeah. with the negative thoughts that come just from naturally being a, a human. A human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. People want to, I think it's interesting too, because um, I think it's great that uh, like therapy is getting more popular and it's normalized. Awesome. So cool. Yes. yes. However, I think sometimes people are like, how do I get rid of my anxiety? How do I get rid of these negative thoughts? How do I get rid of these feelings? Like you don't want to get rid of them. You need to just make sure they don't take your life over. Like you need right. to pay attention to them. They're trying to tell you something. They're trying to get you to course correct. If yes. they're good, you just can't live in them. That's when it's bad when you're living. Yes. Yes. So in the future for you, the goal is to combine your art and mental health. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. So what I would like to do is eventually have my own practice as a psychologist. It's an extremely long school path. That's why I'm pursuing nursing first because I need (laughs) the money to be able to actually go through all that schooling. And the nursing I want to focus on is like psychiatric care, basically. Like I want to do that. But I would like to have a private practice where I'm doing regular psychology work, but then also have an art therapy component to it and then keep making content, keep making... In the future, I'd like to make courses and books for people. So this is kind of like what I was talking about earlier with being open to the process. Like I know without a single shred of doubt. This is my purpose. Like my purpose is to pursue mental health, my education, and also pursue art. How exactly it's going to connect will change. 
Mm-hmm. Things will always change. Like our mm-hmm. paths are ever evolving, but I know that is my focus. So as long as whatever I'm going after, however it might shift is in that realm, that's what I want to do. Yes. So, yeah. I want to just keep doing what I'm doing, but to a higher level. I am a huge advocator for figuring out your purpose. And some of the episodes before is how to find your purpose during COVID, even though it has been a really difficult time, utilize it to figure out if you don't know what is your purpose. And so I love that you keep talking about knowing what your purpose is. How did you figure out that you knew what your purpose was and what's the feeling of when you actually know? I, it, it's interesting because it was the number one question like throughout all my teens and 20s. Like you can ask anyone like in my personal life every week I was like stressing out like, well, I, like I, I just wanted to know so badly like what I was supposed to do. And it took me so long to realize that wasn't the right question because it, it's not something you find, it's something you create. Yes. But I do also think that, so a lot of finding that purpose did have to come through really dramatic events. I don't think it always does, but just for me personally, mm-hmm. like I'd mentioned the thing with my brother, like that definitely opened me up to how powerful art could be. But then the second like large event that happened to me is when I was 25, I was uh, diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which um, is a very manageable condition, but leading up to it, I didn't know what was wrong. And I had lost a bunch of weight and was like throwing up blood and stuff. It was like really scary. And like, eventually we figured out like all the things going on in my body, but prior to going to the doctor and having tests done, I really like just assumed the worst and I was always so tired and I just looked sick and I really felt like I was dying. Regardless of if I was or not, like in my mind, I was like, yeah. oh my God, like I'm dying. Like something horrible is going to happen. Which was scary. Yeah. You felt it. That makes sense. Yeah. So when I finally found out that it wasn't something, you know, that was fatal and it wasn't something that was going to destroy my life and it was something I could actually like actively uh, control or work on or whatever, I, it really shifted a lot for me. I think it made me go back to the time with my brother and like realizing that life is finite. And mm-hmm. I think it also finally showed me like, hey, I'm not invincible. I'm not going to be here forever. This is fine. This is it's nothing that's going to kill me, but I, I am not like this. Like stuff can go wrong, basically. I, I realized that health things can happen to us. Mm-hmm. And that really pushed me to want to like, actually commit to a lot of the things that I've been thinking about. I found my purpose after trying so many things, figuring out what felt good, what didn't, and also my own personal life experience. Like when it comes to nursing and mental health, nursing had been a huge portion of my life, like in my teens, because there was nurses in and out of our house all the time. We mm-hmm. were out of hospitals like with my brother. And I think for so long, I shut that out. Like I was like, I would never do healthcare. Like I, I don't want anything to do with it. And then I realized that my unique perspective could help so many people if I were to actually pursue that industry. And clearly art is never going anywhere ever. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And I just finally realized like, even with myself, how many times I've had to get myself out of a dark place and just how comfortable I am with some of the darker aspects of life. Mm-hmm. It just all came together and it made me realize what, like this path is the one that makes sense for me. I can combine everything I've been through and everything I am to help others and to still create. And I just started making content that like channeled that. And it, started working and I noticed it actually really helped people. And that's how I knew, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. That is so amazing. Yeah. I think that what I've learned about finding your purpose and is it's just reiterating what your story is that you go through things in life and their lessons and you can take what you will from those lessons or you can be upset and 
think the world is against you, but when you actually take life experiences that are difficult and you turn it into a lesson and then you can use those lessons and pinpoint it and create your purpose in a way to help others. I think that's amazing. And that's clearly what you have done and been you're so on your path. I just I can feel it. I can see it. I think that is amazing advice, everything that you've said. Thank for. you. When you're a visual <laughs> creative, I feel like I can see things that I want or believe so clearly. So to then articulate it with words, I'm always, is this making sense? Am I translating my No, you correctly? are. So you I it's actually helpful to people. I'm so impressed by you. I'm so excited for people to listen to this because you articulated everything so eloquently and clearly. And I just, it was just so inspiring. You're awesome. Thank Thank you. (laughs) I'm so happy. Two last things I wanted to touch upon. The first one is I want you to let everyone know how they can reach out to you or find you and do you do commission pieces or if people are interested in your work, what do you offer? Yeah. My username is Ash Myers Designs on all platforms, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Those are the places that I'm at the moment and Facebook. My art, I do have commission slots available. You can purchase them on my website for brands interested in collaborating with having like illustrations done for promotional work or whatever projects they might have in mind. There is also a form on my website for that. I can also be reached via email and I do have prints coming. Um, That is awesome. I'm just so impressed and inspired by you. It's crazy. So a final word of advice for like the self-love as an artist, just to sum it up. Parent yourself. That's what self-love is. Self-love isn't always like, I, I, and I'm so happy certain things are getting attention and there's like movements being creative, created. I think that's so cool, but it's important that we remember self-love is in this gushy, happy, like spa day and like only do things I love. Like it's not, sometimes it's, it doesn't look pretty. It's like you said, beautifully nasty. Like sometimes it's messy. Sometimes self-care is like being like, Hey, no, like I don't care how you feel like you need to get this done because it's going to make us healthier and better and whatever. So self-care is about parenting and doing what you need to do to Mm -hmm. become the best version of yourself, even if it feels like crap. Yes. What you're saying is (laughs) just the reason why I'm doing this podcast. Okay, that's a wrap for today. Make sure to follow Beautifully Nasty on all social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter at Beautifully Nasty Pod. And please email me at beautifullynastypod at gmail.com if you have any questions for us or if you want to be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out. And also make sure you subscribe, download the episodes, review the podcast, rate it, just love on it a little bit. (laughs) Much appreciated. Also, when you subscribe, you'll be the first one to know when new episodes drop. I'll be releasing a new episode every week on Wednesdays. And this month is all about loving yourself as a creative. So all y'all artists, make sure to listen up. We got a bunch of guests who are all different creatives and they will be bringing their perspective on how to love yourself when it's really hard to make money when you're starting off and working multiple jobs and when you have writer's block or just an artistic block in general what it's like to be an artist during the pandemic so we will be going through it all but we got this together as usual so please support the podcast 
Finally, you can find me on Instagram at Bianca Vitali with three E's underscore at the end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beautifully Nasty podcast and make sure you love on yourself this week. Do something special for yourself. We all got this together. Have a great week.